kids who were sick to advocating for social justice, all while he himself was sick, and the world didn't know that. So, you know, we want to just kind of give our condolences to not only his family and friends, but, you know, talk about how he's changed our lives. I mean, he's he made Black Panther my favorite superhero for sure. So um, I think it's going to be very, very sad day when we see Black Panther 2, um, and it's going to be kind of his final goodbye. Um, but it's uh, while he was here, he made a huge impact. So just wanted to say that at the top here. I don't know if you guys want to chime in with anything. Yeah, I mean, obviously Chadwick is so much larger than just this one role. Totally. But, um, you know, my immediate reaction was just, obviously a feeling of sadness for him and his family but um you know where black panther goes from here you know they did such great things with the first movie and we had dreams of it being this strong franchise for who knows how long um and there's a lot of smart people behind that project i know they'll definitely find a way to to make it just as effective but uh, it's sad to know that Chadwick Boseman won't be along for the ride. All right. So let's go ahead. And as we always do with every episode, we got to talk a little bit of Spoonful of Sugar. Chris, what are you drinking tonight? Well, Kyle, as I said last week, I'm currently back home for a couple of weeks. Recording back in sunny San Diego. I went ahead and stopped by Ballast Point to grab a local beer Y'all know I like drinking my pinstripe pilsners back home, and this week I'm repping a good baseball team. I am repping the San Diego Padres with the Swingin' Friar Ale. Oh, man. It is an IPA. It's great. I mean, better baseball team, better beer. I'm loving it, and it just tastes like home. Kyle, what do you got? (laughs) Uh, I'm also drinking some beer tonight, Chris. Uh, I have a – I might have had this before – um, it's called the San Francisco IPA, and it's from Anchor Brewing uh, here in the Bay Area, and it's a juicy India pale ale. It's very good. It's There's a lot happening, a lot happening with it, um, but I do like these juicy IPAs and, you know, not really drinking so, so much of the hazies these days, so it's nice to get into something a little juicy, and, you know, I didn't want to go too hard when discussing the technicalities surrounding ride systems, you know, so I, I wanted to keep it light. Marissa, what are you drinking? Um, so back in January, um, they were doing this like special like signature cocktails menu. Um, they released it over in the Cove Bar and in um, there was an area in the wine terrace where annual pass holders could go up there. So I took a picture of that menu and when I was in Idaho last week, I didn't have any signal. So I was just going, I was bored on my phone. So I went through my camera roll <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, this thing's here. So I recreated the best I could with the ingredients I had at home for a cocktail called 54321. And it has Captain Morgan, um, Blue Curacao, um, and then just like a tropical juice in there. I had some Hawaiian juice downstairs in the fridge. <laughs> so threw in some orange and pineapple juice in there, mixed it all up. And it's actually not that bad. It has like this teal dark color, but you know. I'm sorry. Is that an water entire bottle. water bottle full of it? Yeah. That you just I just out? put it all together and just went like this. <laughs> that was so. We, we get creative. That was so casual. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, I just threw this little drink together. It's yeah. about a liter and a half. It's, 
Yeah, like it's fine. I just threw it all in there. I love it. Oh, yeah. Stay hydrated. That's awesome. Well, y'all, we kind of ran into a little bit of a sticky situation here because we are talking best Disney attraction type. We're talking about parks, and Disneyland Park is not open. So the interns kind of had to get a little bit creative this week to get some of their data. Kyle, explain to us exactly what we had them do. Yeah, so... Since we're talking about attraction types, it's difficult to explain that to the average Joe, right? Like, hey, what's your favorite attraction type? It's like, what does that even mean? So we didn't really want to make the interns have to explain to every single person that they met in their demographic. And this week, the demographic is people who are mad online that Disneyland isn't open. They're not hard to find. Find any sort of like Disneyland post on Twitter or Facebook that is talking about how downtown Disney parking is full because everybody's trying to get their little fill of Disney and you'll see people mad in the comments that the parks aren't open. So they scoured the comments, they found some folks and instead of asking them, you know, what's your favorite attraction type, they asked them for their favorite attractions, Chris. And so from that, they explained to them attractions. We're talking rides, we're talking like experiences we're talking walkthroughs we're talking everything any what's your favorite things to do at disneyland and once they got their uh they sent out their survey monkey links you know so that people can rank them from 1 to 16 they were able to see what kind of attractions and experiences rose to the top from there they just clumped them all together this was one of the the weeks where we really put the they earned their minimum wage on this one chris and so that's way over my head. All that stuff is, I mean, they're interns, but they're smarter than me on this one. Yeah. So they, they essentially just bucketed the rides and whatever bucket had the most ride mentions in it that rose to the top. And from there, we got ourselves a round of 16. Popcorn bucketed attraction types. Yep. Well, before we reveal our top 16, let's talk about some that maybe just barely missed the dance. Now, we kind of exhausted a lot of the attraction types, but there were still just a few. Kyle, what are a couple that you just barely had missing the dance? Yeah, so the first one for me are, are submarine rides. Oh, boy. Um, we have a bunch of water system rides on this on this bracket, but... The subs didn't really make it. I'm also not surprised. I don't know that you're going to come across many people that saying, you know, uh, submarine voyage with Nemo and friends is their favorite attraction at Disneyland. Uh, I'm not a fan of Nemo's Hotbox Adventure. I don't think it's great. It's really kind of gross in there. Um, so I'm not surprised that submarines as a whole didn't make it. And I know they exist at other parks, including Tokyo Disney Sea. And the second one for me are Ferris wheels which is interesting because uh, a big portion of the folks who answered answered things like Dumbo and teacups, which have been classified kind of more as spinner rides. But Ferris wheels also spin, but I don't think that people go to the parks to experience, you know, Mickey's fun wheel of death at all, right? So um, I'm not surprised Ferris wheels aren't on there, but, you know, it's in a popular attraction around theme park fans so uh we'll we'll pour one out for ferris wheels chris where are a couple for you well this is a disneyland demographic so um this was not surprising that animal encounters missed the dance here mm. mm-hmm. animal kingdom has an incredible animal experience in kilimanjaro safari but 
in addition to Disneyland people probably just not knowing about it or thinking about it, it is kind of something that you can experience at a lot of zoos around the world. So it's not particularly unique. The other one is jungle gyms slash playground areas. <laughs> I didn't realize how many of these there are out there, but there are a ton. I don't yeah. get anxiety very easily, but put me in the proximity of a jungle gym space in an amusement <laughs> park and my anxiety goes through the roof. I'm like, I'm going to see a child break a limb right now. It's going to happen. A kid's going to yep. be sprinting, fall down, crack his head open. <laughs> they just freak me out. They're there, but um, I don't think a lot of parents love them either. Marissa, no. any that you noticed that maybe just missed the dance? Um, I only thought of honestly one. Um, it's a it's a combo of a couple different attractions that we listed in the bracket. Um, it's trackless water rides. Um, there aren't that many, but Aquatopia in Tokyo Disney Sea. Mm, um, sure. it's a trackless water ride. Um, it's most similar to just what a trackless ride is but it's more in sync like the um the flying tires for Lo for luigi and dca that's like probably the most comparable to it um i just don't think that there's too many out there it's just very unique in itself but i thought it was pretty cool so i was like huh i'm surprised that's not on there but also not surprised because not a lot of people know about it sure. but probably one for me that almost there but it's okay yeah, that's a great point. And it's not something that many, you know, Disneyland attendees or, or parks fanatics might have seen or gone on. So, yeah, that's a great choice. All right, Chris, it's about time. Let's go ahead and do this. It's time to announce the bracket of 16 for the best Disney parks attraction type. Cue the dramatic music. And here we go. Coming in at the number one seed, it's Dark Rides. Coming in at number two, Boat Rides. At the number three seed, it's Roller Coasters. At the number four seed, Trackless Dark Rides. Heading in number five, Interactive Shooters. Slotting in at number six, Omni Movers. The number seven seed, Simulators. Falling into the number eight seed, Flume Rides. The number nine seed, Transport Rides. Then you've got the number 10 seed, River Rapids. Walking in at number 11, Meet and Greets. Dropping into the number 12 spot, Drop Towers. At number 13, they're Spinners. Coming in at number 14, Theaters. At number 15, Walkthroughs. Last but not least, we've got the number 16 seed, Water Slides. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Marissa, <laughs> thoughts on our field of 16? Um, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, definitely had some in there that I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I see you people. Water slides. Um, water slides, definitely one of those. I've been to one water park. I went to Blizzard Beach and I broke my finger. So I just have terrible experiences at water parks. So I was just like, wow, all right. I guess people like water slides. That's fine. Just a lot of flashbacks 
of going back to the parks and I was like, okay, I really need to think about this, but no, I'm good with this bracket and I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, these uh, 16 and, and researching them really kind of brought us back to the parks a little bit, which as Chris brought up at the top of the show, is where we like to be. So this was a fun one to research and think about. So, you know, let's stop wasting time. Let's do it. Let's talk about the number one versus number 16. It's dark rides versus water slides. If you heard me laugh at water slide, it's because why did people say that their favorite thing to do when they go to Disney parks is go to water parks or specifically like pool hotels like the monorail slide at the Disneyland hotel? Kyle, I I need you to calm down about this water slide hate before we go any further, okay? Listen, if I'm spending hundreds of dollars on park tickets every single day, I'm not going to spend it on a water park at all. Well, the water park tickets aren't like $140 like regular park tickets are. If I was a Central Florida resident, the first thing I would do is buy a water park season pass. It's like okay. a couple hundred bucks for everyday water parks all year long. They're open. At least one is open 365 days a year. Great value in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if I guess if I was a Florida resident, I might. But I also, I don't know. Seems like it was, you can't be too far from the beach if you live in Florida. I I don't well, know. I don't know. Here's here's the thing, and, and this is really this really comes down to a Disney World versus Disneyland discussion. And it's that when you're in Florida spending time at the Walt Disney World Resort, you're not there for forty eight hours, so you're choosing to ride a water slide. Sure. <laughs> when you could be riding flight of passage you're there for like seven to ten days so why not spend a day a little bit slower pace at a water park sure okay yeah i i get it it's just not an experience i'm familiar with so i think it's laughable um as as we go through these i've done a lot of kind of background research on these ride types and the system types and you know a little bit of history as to where they may have originated the water slide it's pretty funny because they originated on like beach fronts and they were just these like toboggan things that would you would just slide into the ocean with um, as early as the late 1800s. So these these are things that people have been using forever. And it's gone from kind of a beachside attraction into this monetized like let's create an entire park full of them and make a ton of money off of people for going down these slides. Um, it's up against dark rides, which is what Disney's bread and butter have been since the inception of Disneyland. Um, a dark ride is kind of defined by Disney sources, Wikipedia, everything that I really checked in at is that it's a predominantly indoor tracked attraction. Usually, so they're usually indoors. They usually have a set. Um, and it's not because they're not called dark rides because it's dark inside. It's because it's using artificial light. So like, even though that kind of goes hand in hand, um, it just means that there's no sunlight in there. And so they're creating light through artificial effects. Uh, without it, the attraction would be dark. So there you go. That's from David Younger from Theme Park Design. In a Imagine Nerding video that I watched about dark rides, which I didn't even know that was a YouTube channel and I found it and he just does like three minute snippets on histories of things. 
he defines it as like a guided vehicle through scenes with sound and music and special effects. So it's like the same thing. Um, these could have started, he thinks, as early as the early 1920s with like Tunnel of Love attractions. So uh, originating with like boat rides because those were famously dark and, you know, popular in, in the early 1920s at these kind of like pierside Coney Island type parks. I would recommend anyone who's interested in the history of Dark Rise to check out Defunct Land's Coney Island video because oh. it's fascinating. It's and he, tra- he traces the origin of the Dark Ride to like people's desire to be a little bit racy in public. And the Tunnel of Love is a public attraction where you can get away with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Such a good episode. Such a good episode. Um, or... This video claims that the first dark ride could have come in New Jersey in 1928 at Tumbling Dam Park, where they created a building where you were on a little car that was on a track and you just kind of went around. And as you went around, you would the car would trigger effects. So in this case, it was like very haunted house themed, which every amusement park ever has a dark ride that is in a haunted house. It just kind of goes hand in hand. Um, and as they would trip a wire, a skeleton would pop out. So in 1928, he thinks that that could have also been the first um, dark ride. But then Disneyland changed it all, right? They they said, let's go ahead and take like how we create movies and do scene-by-scene scene stories and put them into attractions. And that's what they did with Disneyland. Um, when you're at the Disney parks, these rides are really designed to take you out of the current world that you're in, which is even as far as, you know, within the park gates and take you into this entirely different world. It's there. These rides, these dark rides are so immersive. Um, specifically when I'm talking about these dark rides though, I'm talking about the kind of like cart on a track going through show scenes. I'm not really talking about pirates so much here because I classified that closer to boat rides. I'm not really talking about Splash Mountain here, because I classified that closer as flume rides. Um, So this is like your quintessential Fantasyland rides. It's your Monsters, Inc. ride at DCA. Um, It's, you know, even a ton of the um, overseas parks. It's a staple of any Disney park across the world are these um, dark rides. Um, I think it's amazing, because going back to the definition of it, they've used artificial light to kind of trick your mind to thinking that you are elsewhere. So in Peter Pan, it's completely dark, but the artificial light of the cars in the city below you make you think that you really are flying. Um, the glowing of the waterfall in that ride. In, in Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, it's the neon and the eye-catchingness that makes you feel so chaotic because the ride's supposed to be this crazy tumbling adventure. When you're talking, when you're comparing these two systems, and I know I went real long about it, but I wanted to get the history out of the way, is that you can't compare it to a water slide, so it's going to be the dark ride for me. Before we talk anymore, I want to hear this broken finger story from Marissa here, because this could be good. All right. So it was, I, I want to say I was a freshman in high school and my family and I were like, hey, we're going to go to Walt Disney World as a family with like my sister, my two brothers, their significant others at the time. It's going to be a whole thing. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, so excited. Spent a few days, and like you said, like just you have your Disney days where you're just going back to back to back, and then you go to the water park. And I went down the slides, and I was just like, <laughs> okay, like that's fine. Even though like water got all my in my nose, and it was just not it. It was not fun. I just don't like water slides in general. But what actually happened with my finger was my mom was sitting on one of the donuts in the lazy river and i thought it would be funny to like scare her oh no and i don't know how this ended up happening i'm just a super big klutz as well and i like jumped in to scare her but i landed like on her donut with my finger and it bent it back just somehow some way that just happened and it just my finger was all discombobulated (laughs) and i was sitting at um what's that restaurant um we were there for dinner and i'm just like sitting there my finger's just annoying me and i just put it back in place oh that night i just i didn't even care and i was a cheerleader at the time too so i broke it again like a week later so it's fine it was gross. Uh, thank you, Chris, for asking okay. for that story. Okay. We all really needed to hear the dislocated <laughs> finger back into its socket during dinner story. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was quite a time. And that is literally my only memory of a water park. And that's why I really don't want to go back to finish my like full like Disney-esque experience of saying like I've been to all the theme parks and water parks is because <laughs> of that experience. Okay. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Um, listen, y'all, Summit Plummet is a premium experience. I would not recommend anyone go to Walt Disney World without going on Summit Plummet at Blizzard Beach. This is an experience like no other at any Disney park. It is your body in total free fall. For like a split second, your back is off the slide and... <laughs> It's similar to like jumping out of an airplane for just a split second, but still it is so unique and visceral and raw and real. It's this intense adrenaline rush. It's awesome. If y'all don't know what Blizzard Beach is, it's a water park themed to snow and the tallest <laughs> the tallest body slide summit plummet is themed to an Olympic ski jumping hill. So it looks like a little ramp. And so you climb up the little staircase, you get on the slide, and it looks like you're going to go off the ramp, but you go like through a tunnel. So when I was like seven years old, I was like, I'm not going on that because I'm going to fly off the end of the ramp and I'll go bye-bye. <laughs> so I didn't go on it till I was like 16, but it's incredible. Love it. Okay. Here's something we need to consider. Every single one of these ride types has a roster of rides that fall into it. So we have to take into account all of the rides that fall into that type. Superstar Limo is a dark ride. I abide by the expression, you're only as good as your worst player. (laughs) You can't do that. Listen, the water slide, don't miss. Show me a bad water slide. There isn't one. They're all fun. They don't miss. The dark ride has missed. It will miss again. That is why the water slide is uh, the better a, Disney attraction. 
Marissa, so Marissa go it's ahead. going to you for the tie break. Let's do it, Marissa. I'm not picking one. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. And I would just like to point out, I've jumped out of a plane. That was not even comparable. To <laughs> And I went down Summit Plummet, and that was just terrible. That was probably, like, one of the worst experiences of my life. First matchup when we broke Marissa. <laughs> like, it's not it. And, you know, some people like limousines and going through that. <laughs> and the monsters in Gride. When you have a little one that, like, wants to go on a ride but isn't tall enough, you know, I wasn't tall enough for the longest time to go on those bigger rides. So that was my, like, introduction to being an adrenaline junkie. Listen, you say you're an adrenaline junkie, (laughs) but you can't handle the skin on your back getting ripped off when you're going down Summit Plummet. (laughs) Must not be that big of an adrenaline junkie. (laughs) It just wasn't. Like, it was just so uncomfortable. Like, who likes and at the end like why would you want to just be sunk in this like gook i am being baptized in the disney runoff water of blizzard beach and i've done it before and i will do it again listen we got to move on to the next matchup it is the number eight seed flume ride versus the number nine seed transport ride now flume ride if we're talking about rosters not very deep it's Tiana Mountain slash Splash Mountain, and, and that's all you got. Yeah. The difference between Flume Ride and Boat Ride, Flume Ride is inspired by the log flume, which is a real thing that loggers use to transport logs across long distances. Uh, Exhibition Theme Park has a great history of the log flume. Highly recommend you check it out. Knott's Berry Farm had one of the first ones. Maybe it was the first one. Um, but... Disney improved on that with Splash Mountain. Not only is it an incredibly thrilling experience, but it has a lot of those awesome dark ride elements as well. Uh, You know, forget all of the social problems the ride has. It's pretty fun. The one thing that's kind of tough about the flume ride is that it it is kind of a maintenance hassle. Uh, It's very hard to keep looking nice because there's lots of water. Also, tough on all of the machinery and all of the parts that kind of stuff log flumes have kind of become an old thing of the past a lot of parks have removed their log flumes uh, or other type of flume rides a long time ago and splash mountain's still running strong only because they shut it down for like a couple of months every winter to refurbish it it is a ride type that is very much a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially during a hot summer day, that ride has two and a half hour wait. Everyone wants yeah. to get on that. The hourly throughput on this ride is fine. If folks are riding it, people keep moving. It's definitely not a top tier, but it's not bad. Uh, I could see it kind of being a problem when maybe it's really cold outside and there's not a whole lot of people trying to ride. That doesn't happen a whole lot in Southern California or Florida, but I could imagine it being kind of not very cost efficient to to keep that ride running during 
colder days. It's going up against transport rides. And, you know, when I saw this on here, I'm like, transport ride? Like, okay. Seems really boring. But then I started writing down all of the rides that fall under the transport ride umbrella. And this is a stacked category. I mean, we've got the Disneyland Railroad. We've got the monorail. We've got the people mover. And I think maybe this is where we can get into debating some, like where certain rides fall (laughs) under which like ride type. Uh, Heimlich's choo-choo train. It's a a train. So is it a transport ride? Uh, It's, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't really know where else it would go. Um, other than like a flat ride, which isn't a, a topic or a, a category. It's kind of too here. broad. Yeah, it's almost too broad. Yeah, um, uh, but it's also not, I mean, like transport rides in my mind get you from A to B or, you know, um, allow you to see more of an area while you, like Heimlich's was just kind of going through a, a small loop that just showed grass and stuff so maybe at its core it's a transport ride but it's a very like weak transport ride it's like you know it's coming off the bench for transport rides that's for sure for me it more has to do with the enjoyment of the ride itself being directly tied to the mode of transportation that you're on so sure like the monorail yeah there's like a narration and you're looking at the park but the cool thing about it is that you're on a monorail or mm-hmm. like the defunct Skyway or I guess the people mover. These are very real ride experiences. I mean, so much of Disney is just this, you know, fabricated show, you slipping into an illusion. These transport rides, when you're on them, you're in Disneyland. It's not like you get whisked away to some like dream state like you do on a dark ride or something. You know where you're at at all times. To me, I think that is to the advantage of the transport ride and to the advantage of Disneyland uh, and all Disney parks. These are super, super important to the ride ecosystem. You look at a park like Universal Studios Hollywood. They have an escalator that takes you straight to hell. (laughs) And that's the extent of the transport rides that they have there. But, you know, I think about the iconic Disneyland photo op, the Tomorrowland Lagoon. Yep. And in theory, within eyesight, you have Autopia, the People Mover, the Monorail, the Subs, at one time the Tomorrowland Skyway, the Matterhorn Bobsleds. You might even kind of like maybe see the Disneyland Railroad somewhere in the background or something. Like you have all of this motion occurring in the park in on all of these levels. It makes the park feel like a real place. That was something that was really important, I think, to Walt's vision of the park, that it's like this uh, fantasy land in itself. It's kind of like when you're on an attraction like a dark ride, you're on kind of like the second layer of fantasy. And the first layer of fantasy is just Disneyland itself being like its own community, its own little world. So the transport rides are so important to that. Flume rides are fun, but man... I've had some of my most fun days at Disneyland where I make a conscious effort to ride as many transport rides as I can. A little more slow paced, but I think they're great. 
think they're super fun. So I'm going transport ride here, honestly, over the flume ride. Hopping into a little bit of history on the flume ride, once again from my boy at Imagine Nerding, uh, they he he claims the first like log flume ride, which is kind of you brought up the loggers used to use flumes to transport you know trees that they've chopped down down a mountain essentially, right? And so the first one that they really replicated for a theme park that he claims was at Six Flags over Texas in 1963, um, something that most resembled a log flume. There are other types of um, flume rides before that. So like Coney Island had one um, at Sea Lion Park um, in 1884. There was one at Rock Island in Illinois, and it was essentially just like you would be on this little boat that would go down a, a greased ramp and splash into the water. Um, they considered those flumes. So, uh, when I was researching this, Chris, and like, I was like, yeah, logs, like they used to ship them down the mountain. Dude, these loggers used to also like ride them yeah, like the you would in Splash Mountain, dude. <laughs> they did like, that. how insane. <laughs> they just like lassoed up a, a log and just like wrote these things down <laughs> the shoots. How nuts is that? And there's a, a story of a reporter in Lake Tahoe that wanted to go interview like the last um, log flume in existence before they were going to shut it down and like just drive trucks like they do now. And he was like, yeah, we, we like go down these things on the logs. And the, the, he took a reporter on one of them and they were both super injured. <laughs> <laughs> like It was just a case study for why this, that shouldn't be a method of transportation for humans. Um, you're right. Transport rides are awesome. Uh, a person that we're going to hear a lot about throughout all of these ride systems is, is our boy Bobby Gurr. Bobby! What up, Bobby? Bob, Bob Gurr designed basically everything that moved uh, in Disneyland as far as opening day attractions and even some that still exist today. Um, he helped find, like, create the look for the monorail, which was the first monorail to operate in the Western Hemisphere in 1959. Um, Walt had trains in his backyards because he's a weirdo, and he put one in his park as well. And then you have the people mover that was in Tomorrowland, and you have one at, uh, in Florida, um, the Magic Skyway that used to be in Florida and Disneyland, and now it's in Florida again as like this gondola system. So, like, transportation is a big part of Disney theme parks. And I didn't even talk about some of the um, overseas ones because I've only been to one. So maybe Marissa can talk a little bit about those when we go to her. But um, it's I agree with you that, like, the log flumes are good for, like, one, one good thrill and then also kind of some discomfort for the rest of the day because it's not like water slides where, like, you're this is this is what you're doing for the day right you're gonna go to a water park you're gonna go swimming you're you've committed to this the log flumes are really like if you're desperate to like cool off and then dedicated to being uncomfortable for the rest of the day while like transport rides really do something that i like about people who take advantage of them which is like it slows you down i think a lot of times when we go to the parks where trying to fit everything in especially in the california parks and and to slow down and really enjoy things disneyland railroad's great for that the monorail is great for that 
I'm sure the Skyway buckets would have been awesome for that. So Chris, I'm with you. Transport rides are going to move on. Marissa, what are some uh, maybe other transport rides that are in some of the overseas parks that you've been on? I mean, I you forgot to mention the trolley car at DCA. That's also yes. like a very hidden ride slash attraction. In all honesty, when they redid DCA and when they refurbished it and like restyled it and everything, it kind of made it more authentically Disney. Yeah. And that's what I really like about transport rides is that when you have these iconic people mover, monorail, these trolley carts, the railroad, those are like Disney icon rides. Like those are rides that literally anyone can go on. Yeah. And it doesn't matter of your height or whatever. Yeah. And that was always like the thing with me when I was little, when I appreciated the parks that I was able to do those things. As much as I like Splash Mountain and everything, put it to the side of everything that's happening right now, but I really enjoyed the ride. Um, but when you're stacking it up against transport rides, I have to take transport rides. They're just, they're too important to Disney in order to pass it on against flume rides, so. Totally. Totally. All right, let's move on down the bracket. We're going to be talking about number four, trackless dark rides versus number 13, spinners. Trackless dark rides are a fairly new phenomenon in Disney parks. I mean, you you think about really the best known one is the Ratatouille ride in Paris um, that Epcot's going to be getting pretty soon, supposedly. We'll see what happens with with the world shutdown, but... Um, that one is supposed to be like top of the charts, best thing that people have been on. Marissa, have you been on it? Fun story. That was the very first trackless ride I went on. See, it's and I was mind blown that I had to do that ride. I went with one of the friends that I was with on my study abroad trip, and she was like, "We have to go on this." I was like, "Okay," and. I didn't even like the movie Ratatouille that much, but it made me like the movie. Right. Yeah. And it was just insane what they did in that. And insane is a great way to describe some of the other rides that are on this list, like Rise of the Resistance uh, in both Florida and California, like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that is currently in Florida that's going to end up just announced like today in 2023 in Toontown yeah. uh, in California. Um, and then one of the more popular attractions in Disneyland, uh, in Tokyo Disneyland, Pooh's Honey Hunt, um, which is another one that's trackless. So these are like very niche experiences for some very interesting concepts. I mean, you have like Star Wars and you have Ratatouille and you have Winnie the Pooh and this is these are the systems that you're really focusing these trackless dark rides on um, Dark Horse which is really a light horse is Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters which is trackless but I wouldn't necessarily consider that a um, a dark ride obviously you're you're kind of just out on a platform and your cars are trackless but Shout out to that, I guess. What if it's dark outside? If it's dark outside, uh, it is it is using artificial... Ah, well, except if the moon's bright. If the moon's bright, that's not an artificial light, so we can't count it. 
Um, going up against spinner attractions, this is like this is another one when you think of like Disneyland, you you think of teacups, you think of Dumbo, and it's mostly because this is how Disneyland has always marketed itself and how the parks have really marketed themselves. It's like, look at this iconic ride that we have, and you can fly on Dumbo. Sorry, a drink for iconic. Look at the teacups that have stood the test of time, just move locations, you know. Um, look at what I consider a spinner ride on here, uh, whatever Tomater's doing over in Cars Land. His his junkyard jamboree, that's might be what it's called. Yeah, his uh, junkyard jamboree, his trunk is moving all over the place. <laughs> yeah, man. So spinners are everywhere, and, and these are kind of a category of rides that I guess theme park enthusiasts in my uh, in my research have referred to as flat rides um, because most of the time they take place on flat ground and either um, the ground itself is a platform that moves or there's a spoke that sits out of it that allows things to either spin or rotate. So back with Imagineerding, this is my boy. This is my new boy, Imagineerding over here, man. He's got these digestible four-minute videos, and you just get it all. Essentially, like, the first spinner that, that ever existed was a carousel. And I didn't know this, but, like, carousels were created to, like, teach people how to ride horses, which seems like a really not <laughs> if that's if you're gonna go into riding a horse after riding a carousel your confidence is way over where it should be <laughs> you're in for a rude surprise when you hop on a horse um they then turn that into a ride for common folk uh then you have rides like a tilt-a-whirl in minnesota some dude just built it in his backyard and then eventually uh the state fair picked up on it and so in 1926 uh, the first Tilt-A-Whirl was ever created for a amusement park. Um, you got uh, rides that are called whips, and it's those kind of circular rides that once you hit a corner, you spin really quick to get to the next part. And those are kind of a the evolution of like a whip. You get into the twister kind of uh, category, which is the teacups. It's the junkyard jamborees. It's the kind of what they call... Yeah, like twisters or scramblers. Um, and even like Dumbo is technically like a twister, but it's just a very, you know, toned down twister. You're not going too crazy. I wish you did, though. I wish Dumbo was just this chaotic mess that you're like hanging on for dear life because this elephant might fly off the rails. I wonder I really if wish. they have the ability to like crank the speed anymore and then like, start spinning so fast that Dumbo <laughs> flies off. <laughs> I wish, man. That would be awesome. Um, and then uh, uh, honorable mention are swings. Any sort of like spinning swings are also kind of so considered. good. So good. They are good. Those are those are very underrated like attraction in just going to theme parks. They're always enjoyable. I've never had a bad time on a swing attraction. They're just like you're just at nothing matters when you're on a swing twirling around. I can tell you that. Have either of you ever been on a skyscreamer, which is basically like they take you to the top of the drop tower and then do the swing thing? No, <laughs> I haven't. That doesn't sound as enjoyable. That's like my dream. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. So we got these spinner attractions and we've got trackless ride uh, attractions. That's what is the best 
Disney parks attraction type. Uh, there, honestly, it, it's tough for me to even speak on it because I haven't been on any of the trackless ones except for I don't I haven't even been on Luigi's. So like, it's hard for me to really speak to an experience on them and like what they mean to Disney parks. It definitely seems like it's where Disney wants to go, but they they seem also super expensive that they need to just do them at one big launch at a time considering how long it's taken for us to get you know rise from when ratatouille was first created which was in 2009 i think so it's tough for me to compare them but i i don't know spinner attractions are also tough because i i can only really do those like once and then i i'm spun out you know like i can't do teacups more than once in a day uh i can't i don't do dumbo because the line's too long for what it is i don't do astro orbiter because the line's too long for what it is also like it's a lot of like parents and their kids and then what me (laughs) sitting in one of those things like i don't i don't know about them so it's a it's really a toss-up for me chris i might actually just throw it to you and let you go ahead and and make a decision because it's it's up in the air for me yeah i agree with you I am not a spinny guy. I can do super extreme heights. I can do extreme positive and negative Gs. I can do super, super fast rides. But the second I get into one of those teacups, I just want to blow chunks everywhere. So (laughs) I was the kid that was like my siblings and cousins would like get their own teacup and then I would be like in my own teacup and I would just be like, (laughs) I'm not touching this plate because I can't do the spinnies, okay? But I do love the swings. The The orange stinger thing was totally whack, but the Silly Symphony sure. swings, I'm, I'm very, very into. That's yes. the only spinner that I'm like, okay, this is this is something I can handle. Yep. I also like the carousel, obviously. It's just uh, it's one of the greats. Here's my question to both of you. What is the advantage of the trackless dark ride versus a tracked dark ride? So here's, in my eyes, it's the illusion that nothing's in control and that, like, you're purely on your own during these experiences. So from what I see in the Ratatouille one, you're shrunken down to the size of a rat and you're kind of maneuvering this human world where everything is crazy. And so by you not being able to see the track ahead of you, you don't know what this car is gonna do i love trackless dark rides um it is hands down like one of my favorite experiences in all the disney parks um one that um you forgot to mention kyle was mystic manor in hong kong mm. disney yep it was in 2013 um when they first like when it first came out mystic point Hong Kong Disneyland wasn't doing super well, so they were like, "Let's expand this area," and they made and they called it Mystic Point. And it would it's owned by Lord Henry. It's this older gentleman. He goes around the world. He collects all these different antiques and brings it home to him. And he's very welcoming. He's like, "Yeah, like come into my home, and you can see all these things." It's an homage to Haunted Mansion, without it being Haunted right. Mansion. And I've been on Rise three times, and I will wait any day of the week. It is an experience. 
But the thing with Rise, though, is that main, the main part of the actual ride is trackless, but sorry to give away spoilers, but it's also like a simulator, but also a walkthrough, yeah. but also a meet and greet, but also like, it's just a bunch of things wrapped. It's obviously like a trackless dark ride, but I would, I love that ride. I love all the trackless dark rides and as much as a spinner fan I am, I have to move trackless dark rides on even though that there's not that many. It's just, it's, they're untouchable. I'm gonna That's get, just my opinion. I'm going to get my shot in at uh, trackless dark rides here. Uh, it's conspiracy theory time. So Oh, here we go. Here's my thing with the trackless dark ride. First of all, who is riding regular dark rides being like, T- it was so good, except I saw the track, man. Zero stars. I saw the track. <laughs> Number two. These trackless dark rides are reprogrammable at any time, right? And mm-hmm. especially ones that incorporate screens in them. It can become a completely different experience, or at the very least, you can add new show elements and like redirect yeah. your rider's attention to a new show scene or something like that. That makes me have trust issues with these trackless dark rides. <laughs> it's like you are just creating these IP-proof attractions that maybe don't have a very long shelf life. You can just throw out whatever you want. And it's like, okay, this is what's popular right now. Let's just throw that in there. And it takes some of those timelessness away of of some of the other types of attractions on this list, particularly the dark ride. These rides can be constantly updated, and so you lose that uh, tradition that is so important to attending the Disney parks for a lot of people. Listen, Kyle, I think you made a really important point when you talked about little kids riding spinners, I know uh-huh. I'm not a huge spinner guy myself, but spinners are huge amongst yeah. park guests who are under 42 inches. And for that, I think they're extremely important. And for that, I love them. And for that, I'm glad there are a ton of them. I'm advancing spinners. So I guess you're, you get the tiebreaker, I guess, Kyle. I yeah, guess it's going guess back I'm, to you. You started yeah. all this and <laughs> ending with you. <laughs> Well, first time I've ever had to break a tie, and now I know what of our all of our guests feel like because it's really uh, intense. Yeah, I mean, Marissa makes a ton of good points just with how incredible the the systems are, these trackless dark rides are, and specifically in the ways that they use them. So it's not necessarily that you're going through, you know, the the traditional dark ride, right? You're not going through a retelling of Pinocchio in a ride in a track in a car that does not have a track it's like you're going through these experiences and with mystic manor it's you're going through this essentially possessed house and and uh <laughs> who who the hell knows what you're doing in Pooh's honey hunt to be honest but who knows what you're doing in any <laughs> winnie the pooh ride so it, that gets a pass it honestly makes sense that Pooh's acid trip of a ride doesn't have a track like so let's bring that to california <laughs> Uh, I I think, Chris, you bring up a really good point about how important spinners are because a big thing about, you know, Galaxy's Edge and uh, DCA 1.0 is like, they're worth the kids' rides, man. 
And they're like, all right, we'll give you like Bugs Land, like Flicks Carnival or whatever, and they'll just all be spinners. <laughs> like, yes, you want spinners? You I'll it. give you spinners. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the kids can go to DCA now. Fly around on uh, a giant used Chinese food box. How you like that? <laughs> exactly. And so, like, there, there's a value to spinner rides that you know are beyond what we enjoy about attractions they also you you brought up in the transportation conversation is like kinetic energy man like you you see things spinning around and whirling and moving like that attracts you to want to go to these places uh it adds to not only the experience of the ride but the ambiance of the area around it i think that because it does more than just be an attraction i'm gonna move spinners on and also, it's because I haven't been on the checklist ones yet. So check back in with us in 2025 when the parks reopen and we can go check these things out. But uh, for now, it's going to be spinners. So Marissa, I'm sorry, but I am moving that one on. Uh, and I think, Chris, it's your turn now. I don't. I, the order's all messed up because I broke a tie somehow. What an upset. Yeah, we're moving on to the number five interactive shooter versus number 12 drop tower. Let's talk drop towers. Tower of Terror, elite, elite Disney attraction. The uh, formerly MGM Studios, the Disney Studios Park version is still standing and in my opinion was always better than the California version, but I thought the California version was great. Unfortunately, Guardians of the Galaxy is not an elite attraction. I've talked about it before (laughs) in our California Adventure Bracket just not enjoyable to me there's no suspense and that's one of the key elements of a drop tower is not knowing when you're going to drop jumping jellyfish me up jumping jellyfish (laughs) what an elite drop tower what are you talking this pound for pound is one of the best disney rides ever built jumping jellyfish it's like two and a half Maybe three stories tall. <laughs> you ride up on the jellyfish. You have no restraints except for a seat belt, and your oh. feet are dangling. You have nothing to hold on to. Free fall. Airtime <laughs> in a little tiny seat belt. <laughs> and this is a ride for like three or four years old. Right. Next time you're at DCA. Give Jumpin' Jellyfish a second look because you will walk off that and be like, mm, that was pretty good. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty good. So, uh, you know, we're talking drop towers in Disney parks. Guardians of the Galaxy is really the only one that, that stands out as a, as a bad one for me. Malaboomer, I, I liked Malaboomer. Malaboomer was a fun ride. Interactive Shooters. Uh, this one kind of doesn't really sit well with me just because like the whole gun imagery thing um buzz lightyear blasters i think i think we're we're safe there but what's the shelf life <laughs> on frontierland shooting expedition it survived this long I, I don't know i don't know about that one midway mania obviously i think they do a really good job kind of like navigating that with it's like a pull string and it's kind of like a cannon thing and you're shooting like uh pies out of your out of your little shooter shooting device your projectile launcher um yeah i just love the interactive element of these of these shooter rides Uh, i'm a competitive guy 
And it, it does not take a whole lot for the interactive shooter to trigger that competitive side in me. Uh, love finding the secret targets on Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. Love mm-hmm. the uh, secret target combinations on Midway Mania. I mean, every time I get off one of these things, I'm like, let me add it. Like, I, I got to go again. I got to go again. I got to improve my score. They're rides that you can marathon so easily. Me and my older brother did that on a New Year's Eve one time. The park <laughs> stays open till 2 a.m. We must have done Buzz Lightyear five times in a row. Uh, <laughs> around 1.30, we just, we just did laps on it. It was so, so fun. Uh, we could spread out with some like cars in between us so we could control our own little joysticks. Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin in Florida is awful. Absolutely terrible. The... Blasters don't detach from the ride vehicle, so you have to kind of like angle it in this really uncomfortable way that makes hitting the targets extremely difficult. Uh, love in in Astro Blasters that you can just kind of like you know you and your co-rider can be aiming in like different directions uh, yeah. just by swiveling your body. Uh, just such a fun ride experience. Drop Tower is. An experience that you can find at the county fair. You can find it at most amusement parks. A really well-done interactive shooter is extremely hard to come by. Uh, I'm advancing it here easily because it's one of my favorites. Interactive shooters have been a part of Disney's history from the very beginning. And I didn't know this until researching this specific topic, but there used to be four shooting galleries in Disneyland when it first opened, which is unreal to me because we all know that Frontierland... still has one but there is that one there is one on main street there is one called the davy crockett arcade and then there is one i guess in adventureland called the safari shooting gallery so talk about interactive shooters they were all over the place um now you have astro blasters in disneyland um you have midway manias uh astro blasters also kind of toes the line of omnimover mover uh because it is on one conveyor belt the only thing that i think makes it less omnimover is that you're able to maneuver the carts yourself and really in the traditional sense of an omnimover is that the conveyor belt and the system that moves the cars are all in sync so that the um the imagineers or the whoever's creating these rides can focus your attention where they want you to focus. While with Astro Blasters, you could just be like spinning, just shooting. And the minute that your your co-pilot's trying to shoot at something, you jerk the the ride away so that they can't hit the target. So interactive shooters have been a thing at Disneyland and, and they've made their ways to other parks, including it's it's the I Monsters Inc. ride uh, overseas. And then instead of like yeah. shooting things, you shine flashlights on flashlights. folks. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, it's the, I would consider that one an interactive shooter as well, which is great. That's another really popular attraction over there. Uh, Drop Towers, man, you, we all know I'm a huge Tower of Terror fan. And boy, was I sad when it left DCA. Uh, haven't been on the one in Florida. Really want to because I understand and recognize that it is the GOAT. Uh, I went on the one in Tokyo and it was fantastic, even though I didn't understand anything. Um, the first kind of free fall rides that you can really point to are ones created for Six Flags. 
Six Flags was all about these crazy attractions, and they're like, give us the free falls, man. Like, we're, this is where we're going to get our clientele. And many of them still live today uh, in their original forms. So they weren't, they're not kind of like these tower drops, but they're like at Magic Mountain. It's the Superman ride where you're getting launched up and then you free fall down back into the L of the um, the track. Originally, those rides I found out is that your cart would just be pushed up in an elevator and then you would be shoved out onto the next track and then they just dropped you. No, thank you. Yeah, the Intamin drop tower super sketchy uh i rode the one at magic mountain many times and basically you ride this rickety elevator up and it just pushes you out and you go down uh yeah glad they've improved the technology since (laughs) (laughs) and since then disney said hold my beer everyone because i'm going to create tower of terror which is going to be the standard for drop rides from here on out and what they do so well with drop rides is include that immersion in storytelling you're no longer just like drop going up in a rickety elevator and dropping you're now like involved in a story and the drop is part of that story with the shooters your hesitant hesitance is definitely mine as well i'm not a big like gun guy I won't you won't find me at the Frontierland shooting gallery at any time at all in my life Uh, let alone I paid to get into this stupid park I'm not gonna give you 50 more cents to fire at uh, a taxidermied raccoon to see what noise it makes when I hit it I'm not doing that it's also kind of this repeatability you said that you can marathon Midway Mania and Astro Blasters uh, because the competitiveness in you that doesn't exist in me at all. I usually go on it for the novelty and bring whoever hasn't been on it onto this ride so that we can like compare scores and do that whole thing. But after that, I'm I'm done with it. While with rides like Tower and the repeatability of Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, that just makes it that much better. So for me, Chris, I'm going Drop Tower, which means I'm sending it over to Marissa. You know, I am a very competitive person. I like going on... Midway Mania, um, I am one of those people that I'm like, okay, like, I stretch. I am one of those extra people. (laughs) I will pummel people to the ground. I have not lost ever. I'm also not going to spend 50 cents at Frontierland. I'm going to spend it towards, like, my churros. I've actually done, like, I've had a conversation of my favorite U.S. attractions and my favorite one is Tower of Terror in Florida. That is literally my favorite one and I love Tower of Terror. When they announced that they were getting rid of Tower of Terror here. Sad day. I was devastated and I'm still devastated to this day. I have been on Guardians. It's okay. It's not great. And I think another problem that I have with it is when when you're on a drop tower going that rate of speed, the pressure just goes to my head to where, like, I just can't, I don't know. It just, it makes my body feel weird. Versus when you're on a dropping sensation, you're supposed to feel like you're floating in the air. I feel like someone's pushing against mm. me 
when I'm in Guardians because the pressure when you go up, it's enclosed now and you have the screens in front of you so you, you can't see the outside until you get all the way to the top. Right. Versus when it was Tower of Terror, they opened up all of them so the pressure is released, physics, whatever. Yeah. So just I love Tower of Terror. It's elite. But also, Chris, when you brought up jumping jellies, <laughs> my mom loves that ride. <laughs> Don't sleep I on it. Don't sleep not. on jumping jellies. <laughs> Don't sleep on jumping jellies. She, I kid you not, they love that ride. They love it. Jumping jellyfish like, don't miss. All right. <laughs> and so I think it's just more so of just comparing like experiences for me. When I go on a Toy Story and Astro Blaster, it's just severely competitive for me. I just, I love drop towers. I love that sensation. I wish that I can just pick up the Tower of Terror in Florida and just switch it because <laughs> that one is just so much better. Even though I do like it, I did like it when it was here, but it's just way better in Florida. But I am moving drop tower on past interactive shooter ride. All right. Drop towers move on. Let's hop across the bracket. Number two boat ride versus number. 15 walkthrough it's boat rides here i'm not walking through nothing i'm not even gonna spend time talking about walkthroughs hold up hold up hold up hold up and that includes like i'm not i i'm not gonna walk through you know uh whatever the star wars launch bay was not walking through that i'm going to definitely walk through like the disney gallery but i see those more as shops than they are like walkthrough attractions I only go into like the Lincoln foyer because you make me, Chris. And so I'm not I'm not walking. I'm strictly going to stick with boat rides here. Things are just better on a boat. Listen, we got to talk about House of the Future. We got to talk about I mean, Innoventions. You tell me you never went in Innoventions and had a good time? I went in Innoventions, but I was way too young to have any sort of opinion on it. You're telling me you never had fun Sleeping Beauty's Castle walkthrough? Uh, n- n- those those walkthroughs are not necessarily... I mean, they're cool. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed them. <laughs> you always feel like you're getting kind of rushed through. I do think there's something enjoyable and especially immersive about like moving yourself through an attraction space under your own power and at your own timing. But I think the point you make is too good, Kyle. They made boat rides because walkthroughs gotta go. <laughs> Every so. some of the most everybody drink for it iconic attractions at Disney parks all started as walkthroughs, and then we all decided collectively that those aren't as good as either boat rides or Omnin movers. So it is what it is. All right. Well, we're gonna stay in the water ride realm. As we talk about the number seven simulators versus the number 10 river rapids. I'm not going to lie. I slept on Disney river rapids experiences for a long time. Mm -hmm. I grew up primarily going to Six Flags parks and they're just really not super interesting. I mean, they get you cooled off on a really 
hot day, but there's not a whole lot in terms of like theming. It's just like normal trees that were already there <laughs> going through a plastic trough. The Disney River Rapids are so well done. I was afraid, not going to lie, because I looked at this thing and I was like, all a River Rapid is good for is to create some WAPs, some wet ass park guests. But Disney really takes it to the next level. <laughs> Let's talk about Grizzly River Run. I stayed away from this attraction for decades, but it has such a great combination of theming and actual thrill ride value. And the thing that's awesome about the concept is that it doesn't really require a whole lot to replicate the realistic feeling of being on a white water rafting adventure. Just got to make sure you got some solid rock work, some solid foliage or imitation foliage, and some really strong rapids. I like that you're so distracted by this like thrilling chase through water that you don't even notice any of the other like structures around. Like you really feel like you're on a real white water rafting adventure. We can also hop over to the East Coast and talk about Cali River Rapids at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Another really awesome version of the River Rapids. Uh, I think it's a little bit shorter than Grizzly River. But there's a really awesome show scene on Cali River Rapids. It is a smoldering tree. You are going on this kind of like very foresty river adventure. And then you open up this giant clearing where there are all these burnt trees. And there's a huge like mighty oak tree that's like smoldering. Hmm. Uh, and then there is some mist that creates like a, a fog effect. You go through the mist and down the big drop. And... I was thinking about it as we were preparing for this episode, and I was like, is this supposed to be a volcano? Like, why Why is this, like, tree burning in this forest? And I discovered that it's a deforestation reference, and one of the themes of Animal Kingdom is, like, preservation and uh, environmentalism and so that show scene is supposed to like expose us to like this is what happens in deforestation uh -huh. like you're, you're on this beautiful river adventure through a forest and then it's just this dead gross space so uh really expert way to incorporate like a great environmentalism message on a, a thrilling ride yeah simulators man these things make me want to throw up <laughs> uh Looking at a screen while you're also in motion, it's just a bad time. Anyone who's been on their phone in the backseat of a car knows. Uh, and we've already established I am generally a queasy person when it comes to, like, spinny and, and like, jostly. Uh, Star Tours is a little bit rough for me, especially with the 3D. Yeah. Uh, Mission Space, another one that's just I just can't really do. Flight of Passage at Animal Kingdom – Really, really cool. I think it's probably a little bit uh, overhyped. Not worth the two to four hour waits that it gets during the busy seasons. Uh, kind of like the, the, the beacon of hope when it comes to the simulators is Smuggler's Run. I really hope that this is the direction that they're going with these, where the simulation aspect is just kind of enhances what already would be a pretty good ride here in a real replica version of the Millennium Falcon and, and the simulator just brings you home. It's just the icing on the cake that makes it feel very real. 
you look at the way Universal Parks have handled their simulator rides, it's just like sad, honestly. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people in one room on these like motion vehicles watching a big screen. Yeah. It just it's not fun. Makes me want to barf. Uh, unfortunately, Disney hasn't really caught up with uh, the simulator technology. I mean, Soren, we love Soren, but it it shows its age at times. Uh, it, it feels kind of primitive when it goes up against things like Smuggler's Run and things like Flight of Passage. Also, California version, better than the world version. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you ask me today, would you rather ride a simulator ride or a River Rapids ride? I'm riding a River Rapids ride, so I'm going with River Rapids here. It's it seems like a kind of a simpler ride, but it's the more enjoyable one for me. We're back with a little history lesson. It turns out <laughs> that the uh, the first River Rapids ride to be put into a theme park was in Houston's Astro World in Texas in 1980. Um, the very first Rapids ride, which 1980, like that seems really recent for this ride that seems so obvious you know like people love these kind of flume rides and people go on these large expeditions to go down rivers then let's just make a, a rapid ride at our park but it took till 1980 so um that's pretty cool obviously astro world doesn't exist anymore so we can't see it simulators have been around since we've been wanting to go to space um, it's still used today for military and for, you know, NASA. Um, it didn't get into the parks. Actually, interesting story about it is that Universal actually developed the very first motion simulator for Hollywood in 1985, but they couldn't get it built. And Star Tours came out in 87 right before them. So, uh, Universal didn't get to release theirs until 1990. So it was one of those kind of Michael Eisner things where he is like, you know what Universal is doing? We need to build a simulator because Universal is doing it and we need to do it faster than them and we need to tie it to something that people like more. And Star Tours it was. There was also actually the first kind of like themed simulator that the common folk could go tour at mass was in the cn tower in toronto it was in the basement mm. um apparently you could take uh a, a, like a, a universe of a tour of the universe is how they explained it so that's kind of cool that it even existed before you know amusement parks and theme parks for like i love simulators i love soren i think star tours is super super fun um it, it there's always supposed to be like a variation with star tours but i don't think i've in the last four trips gotten a different scene variation i feel like i always it's a scam it's a total scam i always hit a wookie yes. and, and yes. specifically with the last jedi's uh like new scenes i'm always on that red planet the one where they kick up the crystals with the crystal foxes so like i don't get a whole lot of variations out of them it's a fun ride um it does really i remember the first time going on it as a kid like this day uh, you feel like you're flying through space and you're like what how is this even happening it's really well done as simulators are supposed to do right these are not made for theme parks these were made for like trainings what puts river rapids over for me chris Ooh! is 
the you don't there are few attractions that are thrill rides that you can live in a shared experience with one another and river rapid rides provide that because you're in this donut shaped ride vehicle where you're looking at each other in the face and you're like you're able to see these moments of reactions and laughter and you know screaming that you can't get on something like a roller coaster or a drop tower or anything where you're sitting side by side you're sharing this experience and even on these rapid rides where like there's so much unknown you don't know where the how the tube's going to turn at any certain point and you're all trying to guess who's going to get the most wet as you go down this hill that shared experience is part of the fun of these attractions and what makes them so great so it's not it's more than the the fact that like simulators are kind of like they're super fun and great but meh at times and especially when they do get outdated and the technology passes it up but just the shared the pure shared experience in this one is going to put it over i don't know if that's going to hold out for the rest of this bracket for river rapids but in this matchup it does Marissa, were you going to advance River Rapids or Simulators? I liked River Rapids better than Simulators. Oh. Um, In all honesty, like when I was looking at the different kind of Simulators and then the River Rapids, the honestly, the only Simulator that I honestly like thoroughly enjoy is Smuggler's Run. It's the only one I actually like. Yeah, we have Flight of Passage. Um, I've only ridden it once. I woke up at 4 a.m. in order to get my fast passes. Would I wait two plus hours ever again? Probably not. Hmm. Just, I mean, it was a cool experience. It just, it's a different style of what Soren is. It's yeah. a, it's a different, better version of Soren of what it's supposed to. Be. I like Soren over California better. Yeah. Than that, yeah, really. personally, but I hate emission space, but. <laughs> Um, the River Rapids in Shanghai Disney, uh-huh. that was quite an experience. I went, when I went to Shanghai Disney, it was super cold. It was in January. My brother was like, Marissa, when are we ever going to go back to Shanghai Disneyland? I was Seriously? like, <laughs> I don't know. And especially now. So I'm yeah. like, I'm glad I went. I bought a dollar poncho. I just said, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I thought it was going to be. Just like um, the Grizzly River Rapids, where it's just like there's something roaring at you. <laughs> Psych in the middle, there's like this dragon crocodile thing. And I was not expecting it. And it's, and the ride is, um, it's in Chinese, it's in a different language. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So it was just like that. And I have so many, what Kai was talking about, like the interaction that you have with other people. And even though we all didn't speak, the same language we were all laughing we were all having fun together um it was just a very like fun experience and simulators i'm just like eh, i mission space i wanted to throw up right after <laughs> so i don't want to remember that yeah that's the fear of valid. death in so, another person's eyes is a universal language we can all understand amen let's talk a little bit about roller coasters and theaters shall we number three three roller coasters and number 14 theaters. I think that theater productions in Disney parks are really slept on. I don't think that we take advantage of them as we should. But that being said, 
if I want like a really good theater experience, I'm probably not going to watch a Disney parks rendition. And it's, it's mostly because you have like the, the Hyperion shows of Aladdin and frozen, which apparently haven't seen them, but apparently fantastic. But then their Broadway counterparts are actually this further built out shows. They're not these 45 minute snippets that I think I would much rather invest my time in. I don't think that in this matchup, even though you can go ride other roller coasters and maybe even better ones in some parks, uh, it's just not, theaters just aren't enough for me to take over the the theming and the immersion of roller coasters at Disney parks um, across the world. So I'm going to go with roller coasters here. Yeah, to me, the thing that stands out about the theater experiences is there's just so many of them. I mean, I'm taking into account things like the Tiki Room, things like uh, Hall Mm. of Presidents, things like Lincoln. I mean, these are not necessarily like Broadway-style musical live theater, but it's people sitting in theater seats watching a show that is being performed to them. Yeah. I mean, there's like I said, there's just so many. At the top, you have things like Tiki Room, things like Mickey's Magical Map. I think Turtle Talk is actually a, a really fun, enjoyable experience as well. <laughs> uh, Carousel of Progress is is one of my all time favorite Disney attractions. It's a little bit. It's becoming a little bit dated. I saw someone reference it on Twitter as Carousel of Privilege, which made me chuckle and <laughs> it's pretty accurate. But. Uh, uh, but it's a tradition a little bit when I head to Magic Kingdom. And Kyle, where do you stand on Captain EO these days? Is that something you still are into? or No. I, even, I mean, those interactive shows were kind of a novelty thing where I was always, it was fun the first time, but then I never really had a draw to go back to see them. Yeah, same with like Honey, We Shrunk the Audience. Uh, yeah. and, and now they're not even trying anymore with like the, the Star Wars path of the jedi where they just play like spliced up random clips from star wars movies marissa did you get a chance to see anna magique in paris i did not um paris i only got to spend like a a full day but we went back and forth with like the hollywood studios and everything like that but had a short time in paris as well but did not get to see that my time in Paris was also super brief. I think we were there for maybe 24 hours. We did like half days at each of the parks and I was extremely jet lagged, did not sleep at all on the airplane or the whole night before we traveled. And so my whole Disneyland Paris trip is like a fever dream. <laughs> and the only thing I really distinctly remember is Anna Magique because it was this show about like, Mickey being sucked into another realm and Donald having to like find a key within some cartoons to like unseal Mickey from it was all in like blacklight and that just added to it being like a fever dream and the theme song the whole show was in French but the theme song goes la 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 animagique animagique la 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 animagique animagique <laughs> I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) The theater, there's just, it's all over the place. Coasters are king, especially at Disney. Uh, They're great. We'll talk about them next week. Let's move them on. Let's hop over to our last 
matchup, wrap this thing up. The number six seed Omni Movers versus the number 11 Meet and Greets. Meet and Greets, I think, are really underrated experiences, especially with face characters when you have uh, performers who are really great at improv and get really into the character. I had a great Gaston meet and greet last time I was in Florida. I always grab a, a princess meet and greet fast pass but I never, I ended up switching it out for something else always, <laughs> but like, it's always my fallback. I've always wanted to go meet Rapunzel, but I've never done it. Um, I don't know that I'm as into like the meeting the Mick. Uh, yeah. Just cause it, it's kind of weird to just like wave at Nick, and not <laughs> have like a little, like a little banter. Such the banter's fun with, with yeah. like a face character. Um, I know, I do know that there are adults that like collect photo ops with, characters that's one of the draws of the run disney events is that rare character costume characters are like out on the race course and you can stop and grab a pick with them but something i'm not really into the omni mover trusty rusty the omni mover is there when you need it the most <laughs> i mean you want a people eater attraction this is it the line is moving you can have days where the park is at capacity. The fire marshal says no moss. Mm -hmm. Lines are overflowing, but you can still do laps on the Little Mermaid, Ariel's Undersea Adventure, because you know what? It's there. It's there. And you can get on it because it's a ride. Uh, love Omni Movers for that reason. So I'm advancing the Omni Mover in this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to advance it as well. I'm not huge on meet and greets. They actually make me a little anxious and I don't like talking to people, especially strangers that are going to be way too outgoing for the vibe that I'm going to be dealing with when I'm meeting them. I really only do if they're if I'm in passing and like the characters just showing up and so there's like not a line and I'm just like let's just go grab a photo real quick while we're walking by. And that's usually fun. I don't seek it out though, like at all. Um, working in sports, the kind of like knowing that like mascots and like <laughs> humans in mascots and just like there's a weird thing about that when like adults get stoked to see mascots and it's like that's like a grown human in that suit, my man. And like it's just this weird thing for me. I'm too much behind the scenes knowing how the sausage gets made so same thing with disney characters i immediately relate them to like my experience and in, in working in sports and knowing mascots uh i'll talk more about omni movers it has a fascinating history uh we'll talk about it next time but uh marissa we're done this was a long one as it should be there's a lot to talk about when it comes to attraction types uh what, what do you think about where we've gone so far I'm good with everything except the trackless dark ride. Okay. I think we could have we could have pictured that one. <laughs> we we could have called that coming from you, but um yeah, I think that we want to thank you Marissa so much for joining us for this first part. You've already brought some insight that we didn't have and we look forward to you diving in even further in part 2. Yeah, thank you guys for having me back. I'm super excited to dive into the next rounds that we have. All right, folks, you know how to get a hold of us. If you agree with any of the things we've said this week, or you totally vehemently disagree with any of the things we've said this week, please send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us and play along with us on Twitter at mousemadnesspod, join our Discord server or our Facebook community. And remember, please, 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 
kick us a little review on iTunes. Help us out a little bit. Until next time, watch your step as you exit the podcast. Oh, 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 oh,